We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. These two games have been about the Dallas Mavericks, their their fans, their intensity to come here and win two straight after losing 11 straight to the Phoenix Suns shows that they are locked in and they are here to make this series a little bit more fun. At Phoenix Suns, we knew they are going to make a run. Uh, we stay together, man. Uh, they're a hell of a team. But I think we, uh, us staying together, playing physical, is, was the key to this game. Amazing, man. This team is amazing. Uh, everybody can play. Everybody that gets on the court uh, leaves everything out there. And this team is special. And if we play hard and we get stops, we're a dangerous team. Hi, this is Luka Doncic, and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. All right, guys, welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. This is the latest installment of Mavs Step Back Live on Spotify Live. Uh, the Mavs, they came out, they beat the Suns in game four of their Western Conference semifinal series, uh, 111 to 101. It was the same type of energy that they portrayed in game three and got the win. And a lot of weird stuff happened in this game, but, you know, overall, you know, you, you got the same kind of feel, uh, you know, from, from game three. And now, you know, as, as bad as things looked when they were down 0-2, uh, it's now a completely new series. It, the, the slate is clean. It's a three-game series going back to Phoenix. And, man, it was uh, it was something to witness on Mother's Day. It wasn't quite the, the Mother's Day massacre from 2011 when the Mavs swept the Lakers, but you kind of got those vibes in the first half. And, uh, today I have a guest. He's going to stay with us for here for a little bit. Uh, Josh Everly. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm doing, uh, it, it's been a good day. Got to see my mom for a bit. Fit the, uh, the Mother's Day dinner in right between the two games. Nice veteran move. And, and here we go. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I did, uh, I did my Mother's Day stuff yesterday. Uh, so I kind of got all that out of the way <laughs> to where I could, uh, you know, just kind of focus on everything today. I, no, I didn't do it because of the NBA games. That's just how it worked out. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad everybody had a good day, uh, except for Chris Paul, and we won't get into that because, you know, apparently there was some interaction with a fan and, and his mom and uh, wife behind the bench. And we don't know everything about that, but, you know, I, it's just it's something you don't want to see. It feels like we see too much of it, you know, in the NBA these days. But anyway, we won't get off, you know, down that rabbit hole. Uh, but, Josh, I mean, 
overall, I mean, what's your thoughts on this series now that it's tied 2-2? I mean, is this just a case of, uh, you know, the sun shooting, regressing to the mean, like I suggested the other day? Or, you know, have they actually – you think these adjustments that, you know, Jay Kidd and his staff have apparently made are sustainable for the rest of the series? Yeah, I, I think I think they are to some degree. I think things will swing back around a little bit, you know, a little bit more towards neutral. The sun shooting has been, you know, cl- clearly bothered. But I think coming into the series, and I felt I felt stupid saying it after game one and two because the Suns did look so dominant. But this is a different Mavs team than the the Suns have seen in the last two years. Like the Mavs identity in the playoffs have has been different. The way they played has been different. Um, you know, I. I kind of thought coming in, if DeAndre Ayton could really make the Mavs pay when they went small, that that was going to be, you know, the clear factor, and it hasn't happened yet. So I, I think we've got a legitimate series, and given how good the Suns were, and they were the, the NBA favorites the majority of this year, the Mavs having a legitimate shot to take this feels like a great position to be in. Yeah, and I mean, I, I saw a lot of this on the timeline on, on Twitter tonight, you know, the people talking about, you know, how the, the Mavs got the benefit of the whistle tonight. And, I mean, it was unfortunate for CP3 fouling out. But, you know, if you're just looking at free throws, it was pretty even. <laughs> and there were a lot of times where it felt like, you know, the Mavs weren't getting calls in that game too. Uh, so, I mean, and I, it feels like they haven't gotten the benefit for the majority of the time in this series through four games so far either. And Luca, he hasn't sh- particularly shot the ball well. Over the last couple games, Spencer Dinwiddie, he still hasn't had uh, a good shooting game in these playoffs yet. Uh, and yet, here they are, tied at 2-2 against the best team in the league. So, you know, Jalen Brunson, uh, he didn't really shoot up to his standards, you know, as far as efficiency goes, but he was still 7 of uh, 17, and he's kind of figured a few things out these last two games. So, Overall, I mean, I'm I'm really optimistic, you know, as this team goes back to Phoenix. It feels like, you know, they've they figured something out. The, the biggest two adjustments, and you can tell me if you've seen anything else, but the, the biggest two adjustments I've seen so far is Dwight Powell's minutes being reduced. So he's only played 10 minutes in the last two games, and I personally, you know, thought he shouldn't start. Uh, but, you know, anything, you know, they reduced his minutes. He was a negative out there playing, you know, 16 to 18 minutes, whatever it was. Uh, so that was the first adjustment, and it has worked. And then the second adjustment <clears throat> is giving uh, Josh Green's minutes to Frank Nilakina. And Frank, he's not doing much on offense. He hit one really big three tonight, you know, before the end of the third quarter. But his defense is just more under control than Josh Green's is. And I think those two minor adjustments have uh, have kind of given the Mavs the edge here. What do you think? I think definitely – I'm definitely with you on the Dwight Powell minutes. I mean, I was it – I, I, the number I'm trying to quote from the, the last low post I listened to, but it was minus 29 in 28 minutes oh he was God. out there. It was awful. Yes, that's what it was. Like, and and – and, it's hard because I, I think at times he has been an effective player and he can be a bit of a whipping boy. Obviously his great chemistry with, uh, with Luca in the pick and roll, but he's been bad in the series and Maxi for, you know, his struggles late in this year where it was like, this guy, a basketball player anymore times has been just on fire in the playoffs. This unit 
being able to play as small as they have and being as successful as they have has been great. But I think the other thing is like it's not an adjustment; it's just a difference compared to the Kristaps Porzingis era. Like this Mavs team, even when Brunson and Dinwiddie aren't playing well, and Dinwiddie was brutal most of that Jazz series. Like you said, Brunson's really struggled at times, uh, you know, against Phoenix. Just having another guy you actually trust to run a possession is so different for this team. Like it, as heliocentric as it can still be, and as much as you still want Luca to have the ball. Like having two other guys who can do something with the basketball in their hands has just made them so much more competitive all around. Yeah, you can tell, you know, when when they're starting to hound Luca a little bit more, if he gets going and he's, you know, tearing it up in the post and uh, they start sending another man, you know, Luca, he'll just pass it off to Brunson or Dinwiddie, you know, whoever's in at the time. And, you know, it does, it takes a whole lot of pressure off him. Now, I just think, and, and maybe this is just me being the, you know, overly optimistic person. Surprisingly, I haven't been as optimistic this series. You know, after they went down 0-2, I was like, I, I was really feeling like this was going to be a sweep <laughs> with what we saw in the first two games. But, you know, I, now I just have the feeling like we're eventually going to get a good Spencer Dinwiddie shooting game. Like, it's eventually going to happen, Right. You would hope. You would hope, man. (laughs) I mean, I I get it. He was really, really bad with the Wizards with his efficiency, and he probably overachieved, you know, when he came over to the Mavs. He was in the honeymoon phase, and, you know, he shot unreal numbers, you know, close to, I think it was like 45 and close to 40% or a little over 40% from three uh, from when he got traded to the end of the season. So, you know, as bad as he shot in the post, I just feel like a big Dinwiddie game is coming. And I hope, I hope it happens in game five. But, you know, this is just, it's so nice that they, they went out there and tied this series now. And, you know, no matter what happens in game five, they're guaranteed a game six back at AAC. The home crowd has been fantastic uh, throughout this entire playoffs. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think anything can happen. And, man, if they get past this Suns team and get into the Western Conference Finals, you know, whether it's the Warriors or the Grizzlies, uh, I, I really don't think it matters. I feel like the Mavs match up so much better with both of those teams than the Suns. And, I, you know, if, if, that, if it comes down to that, I think we could, you know, have a legitimate shot of saying the Mavs could go to the Finals. Yeah, you know what, we were talking about, I had a green room earlier today, and someone kind of posed that question where, like, if Dallas was, and this is before – um, just actually it was as Suns and Mavs were tipping off. But if, if the Mavs were to break through here, are is there like an opportunity to just go win the whole thing? And I mean, it, it feels insane because like I, I still don't think the Mavs are a really special all-time team, but like it does feel somewhat open. I think Dallas matches up a little bit better with Memphis than Golden State and keeping up with Golden State's gunners would be tough for just about anyone. But Man, that there is this opening where like Lucas is just so incredible, and you've seen so many stars struggle. Um, you've seen like Trey Young against Miami can't even get a shot off. You've seen KD be visibly bothered, play the worst playoff basketball of his career. You've seen games where where Jaw's been like a non-factor, almost a negative factor offensively, and like you know Luca has had these playoff games where he doesn't even shoot well, but still completely dominates. You know the tone of a game, and it's special. And it, and I mean. 
I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it is a little bit like early LeBron-esque where, you know, the shots aren't always falling and the possessions don't always run smoothly, but you can just feel like his hands always on the wheel. And when you have that guy, like he might be the best guy left in the playoffs. He really might. And if you have that guy, like we, we've seen a, a clear history where the best player in the NBA playoff series is going to come out on top most times. So, you know, they beat the Suns. I, I mean, dare to dream, and it is – it is the 11-year anniversary of sweeping those Lakers and seeing Andrew Bynum have a grown man fit. But I don't know, man. There's something in the air. I can feel it a little bit. And the thing that really got me, you know, because the way the game started, I was like, okay, this is this is nice. They're off to a good start after starting the first two games in a 9 hole right out of the gate. You know, it's like, this is nice. You know, two straight games, they're starting out well. And then the shots just kept falling. They hit 14 threes in the first half alone. Uh, and Davis Bertans specifically, that's when I really started to think, oh man, this is really similar to that, <laughs> to that Lakers game four, because he's reminding me of Peja Stoyakovich, you know, yeah, he, was came, <laughs> he came out there and he hit four of five threes in the first half. And like, even with a hand in his face, like just nailing them from the corner, from, uh, from the top of the arc. I mean, he was, he was just on it. And you know, when stuff like that is happening, when, when Bertans is hitting threes and you got Dorian Finney-Smith uh, going 8 of 12 from three, that was a career game for him today. He's just amazing, you know, top to bottom, both sides of the court. Dorian Finney-Smith is fantastic. Uh, you know, when, when Luke is getting some help, when he's getting people to join the party, as Jason Kidd likes to say, uh, this is a different Mavs team. So, I mean, I'm just I'm thrilled with where they're at right now, and uh, I want to get your thoughts. You know, kind of moving past Game Four now and looking forward to Game Five. You know, what what do you think the Mavs need to do differently, or if they need to adjust anything else going into Game Five, or you think they just you know if it's not broke, don't fix it? Yeah, like I, I think the pressure is on Monty to make the adjustment now. I think the Mavs keep doing what they're doing. I honestly, I maybe it, it, it's for the sake of, like, keeping the rotation somewhat in, in place, but, like, Dwight's minutes continue to keep them non-existent. He just he's not a good fit in the series. Stay small. You know, force DeAndre Ayton to make tough choices on defense. Keep shooting threes. Like, the Suns are so spread out, and it's so tough for them to help when the Mavs are playing four out like they've been playing. I I think, man, uh, I'm a big Chris Paul fan too. Like I really am. I love Chris Paul. If the Mavs lose, I'm going to root for the Suns just because of CP3 and I want to see him, you know, I want to see people give him credit for the career he's had. But like even more on Monty, like Chris Paul's had two pretty brutal games here. And I, I can't imagine today especially he just seemed – horrendous and I would think that Chris Paul's play returns somewhat to the mean here and and I guess the series isn't over it's going to be a tough series but I I think it's on on CP3 and Monty to make some changes because his play today and like the fouls no like that sixth foul yeah it it was a dodgy call granted like he barely touched him but he did touch him and his arms went up like he he admitted it in the moment and then he's still so frustrated he just seems really not himself these last two games well, and I mean, how much of this has to do with one age? You know, he just turned 37. 
and two, I mean, I know, I know Herb Jones is, <laughs> Herb Jones is like a really good defender, but you know, the Pelicans defense versus this Mavs defense is like two completely different animals, you know, uh, four games in, he's already played in the first round and he played most of that first round without Devin Booker. So, you know, he was pressing it almost 40 minutes a game. You know, how much is this fatigue for Chris Paul? You know, it's, uh, he's not getting any younger. He's going up against, you know, really, really good perimeter defenders and, uh, Dorian Finney Smith and, uh, Reggie Bullock and, you know, even even when Luca gets switched on to him in certain situations, like it's he's so much bigger than Chris Paul. It, you know, he even can give him issues. Uh, now, for some reason, Luca can't guard Jay Crowder. That was giving me that was driving me nuts today because he couldn't stay in front of Crowder <laughs> driving past him to the rim. But uh, you know, I, I, what do you think about that? I mean, I I know you say that you know he could probably regress to the mean a little bit and be a little bit better in the remaining part of this series. But, uh, I mean, what are the chances he's just wearing down? Well, I mean, that, there's something to that and his age and the amount of time he's played. And, but, like, games one and two, they picked on Luka. And in in that Pelican series, Chris Paul played slow, and then he turned on the Jets when he needed to in the fourth, and he found the matchup. And I think part of the Mavs playing small – and, and having all these guys out there, and I, I do like the Frank minutes. I think Frank's another guy you can't pick on him. He's an asset defensively. I, like, Chris Paul's going to find that again. Like, Luca's going to get picked on some more. Like, Luca is very much showing himself to be one of the absolute worst defenders in basketball this postseason. And, like, I, I think they're going to get back to trying to exploit that matchup a little bit more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What I, I kind of counter question to you, what do you think about kids' comments on Luca needing to compete more defensively? And like, do you think, do you foresee those sort of comments? Like kids have been really sharp lately and his team's playing good basketball. So you, you understand it. But what do you think about those comments long-term? Man, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I saw a lot of people kind of, well, not, I mean, not a lot, but I did see a handful of people kind of freaking out about that. And, you know, oh, he doesn't need to be talking about his best player. I, I think Luca responds to that. You know, I think that's kind of the the way he wants to be coached. If you think about it, you know, with Rick Carlisle, he never had any issues with Rick, you know, challenging him. And if I remember correctly, you know, there's not many times where where Rick actually did that with Luca. Uh, but you know, the thing that that Luca had issue with with Carlisle was like how he treated his teammates at times. You know, he was. Uh, reportedly, you know, kind of demeaning towards his teammates and guys on the end of the bench and stuff like that. And, you know, Luca just wasn't having it. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. I I, I love that Jay Kidd, you know, straight up comes out and says, look, you got to be better than a swinging door on defense. And he doesn't word it that way. <laughs> he uses the word. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't far off. It, was, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't much. Yeah, it wasn't I, I like, too far away. I like the yeah. term participate. I think that's a... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it, you know, when I've been talking about. I would man. think too, like if, if there's another adjustment that they make with that sort of in mind, uh, like maybe Brunson goes to the bench and Dinwiddie starts. And then, I mean, one that makes you a little bit better defensively, I think, but at the same time too, then maybe that gets Brunson that, that chance to, to run more plays, you know, per the comments here, heliocentric and and get Brunson the touches that he just kind of earned here. That might be the one other thing I think about, but I thought those comments were interesting because I've talked to so many players who say, you know, like the the one rule is you never talk about your teammates in the media. You never talk about the team in the media. You tell a guy you have problems. So hearing kids say that, I think the teams responded well. I I don't think he'd say that if he didn't have a good rapport with Luca, but interesting times drop a quote like that. That's that's what I was about to say, too. You know, if if he didn't have such a strong relationship with all of these guys, he wouldn't be saying the things that he's saying. That's the you know, it'd be one thing if Rick Carlisle, who, you know, that we know that that kind of boiled over towards the end of last season. uh, You know, if he came out and said some stuff and you could see guys talking behind his back in the locker room and, you know, saying stuff. But I really think there's such a tight bond. Uh, between him and all the players on the team. And, I mean, they just really enjoy playing for him. And it's not just Kid either. It's his coaching staff. He has an excellent coaching staff around him. Uh, Igor Kokoskov, uh, Sean Sweeney, uh, Darred, uh, Darred, Jared Dudley, uh, who I don't know how much he actually <laughs> helps with the, uh, you know, the game planning and stuff. But, you know, he's a former player, and I'm sure he helps the rapport there too. But, I, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing. I like that Luca gets challenged, and I think he needs somebody like that, you know, to keep his head to keep his head where it needs to be. It's like, yeah, he's super good. He's the best player in this series, but there's always ways that he can improve, and I think he enjoys that challenge. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't think there's going to be any issues with that. 
going forward. And, you know, to your point about the, uh, you know, potentially starting Dinwiddie, my idea uh, before they won these last two games, you know, I, I figured, you know, if they kept starting Dwight Powell, they'd get swept, but you know, that's why I'm not a coach, <laughs> but, uh, you know, my it felt idea, like that after two. It did. It, it felt really like did. I mean, it was so obvious that that he was the common denominator there. But uh, my idea was start Maxi in Dwight Powell's place, and then just go all in on small ball off the bench. Just, just you know, don't even play Powell, uh, and just go all small ball off the bench. And you know, I could see that working, but. You know, like I mentioned earlier, if something isn't broke, you're kind of hesitant to try and fix something that isn't broke. Uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe they can go with what they've changed so far and go into Phoenix and get a win. And even if they don't, you know, it's coming back to Dallas either way. Well, I, I want to run one more thing by – I got to get running here pretty soon, but I want to run one more thing by you because people keep asking me about this. And I kind of wanted to ask another Mavs, someone plugged into the Mavs, because I'm going back and forth on it. You know, there there was the alleged deal where Brunson was off for 53-something million, uh, didn't take it. I heard a rumor that he um, asked for 480, Mavs didn't take it. And then now we, we have sensational play in the Utah series, subpar play in the Phoenix series. Let's say the Mavs win here and lose to the Warriors. So they, they go to the conference finals, they have this great run, he has mostly good play. What are you what are you comfortable with? Like, are first, what are you comfortable paying him? And then, are are a Brunson Luca one two offensively good enough to go further than this? That's a good question. And I, you know, before the playoffs started, I was comfortable with anything around you know sixteen to twenty million for Brunson. And what a lot of people don't, I mean, I see I see a lot of the same rumors and stuff you do, but. You know, the, the Mavs, they couldn't offer him any more than four years, $55 million right now. You know, if, if they were going to give him anything more than that amount, you know, more than the Dorian Finney-Smith extension, it was going to have to be this summer. So they, you know, legally, like by the CBA, they couldn't offer him any more than that right now. So, uh, and then according to Rick Brunson, I think he said that the Mavs never even offered the uh, uh, the four year 55 million deal or at least before the season I think they came uh later on in the season and they're just like no you didn't do it before the season so we're waiting now <laughs> so I was comfortable with anywhere between 16 20 million uh after what we've seen now like if it ends up being close to the 25 million range I'm I mean I'm okay with it because you look at the I mean what else are they going to do you know they're going to be well, a luxury tax go ahead yeah uh- I mean, I hear what you're saying. So let, let, let's say that is what it is. It's four for 100 or whatever it is, and 25 AAV. But, like, do you think are – they, are they simply at that point signing him not to lose him and then keeping their options open? Or do – like, has Brunson played well enough to be the number two on a team that's a contender? Like, do people feel like he's that type of a player? I don't know that he's that type of – I think he could definitely be like a legitimate number three on a on a true contender. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Josh, I mean, if the Mavs go to the Western Conference Finals, and, I mean, depending what happens there, like you said, if they lose uh, or if, you know, if something 
happens and they end up in the finals, it's like, well, <laughs> they, they've yeah. been able to make it work. So, I mean, I just think it's just, it's, I just I just think it's at a point where you you have to you have to do what you got to do to keep him. And even if you don't think he's that guy, at least he's more tradable at that bigger number than he was this year as a guy making one point eight million. Like they that people were calling for him to be traded this year before the deadline, and it's like, well, what are you going to get that's anywhere near fair, you know, value in return for a guy making one point eight million? You know, nobody's going to take on. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract just to get one year of Brunson, who's who's an unrestricted free agent. So that wasn't ever going to happen. So, and since the Mavs are going to be up against it with luxury tax and everything, they really don't have any other options unless they pull off, you know, unless they get under the luxury tax and they can do a sign and trade in free agency or at the draft or, you know, something like that. So that's where I'm at. I think they, I think they have to do it. Uh, Anything over that twenty-five million mark, I would like cringe. But you know, I, I just think they got to do what they got to do to keep him at this point. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I think that is like the prevailing thought is we, there's no option to let him go. Right, it'd be massive failing on the Mavs to let him walk to Sacramento or San Antonio, who have cap or you know facilitate a sign and trade to the Knicks, whatever they're hoping is going to happen. But it just, it, it's crazy because I know what you're saying. Like all of a sudden, what if they do get the conference finals? What if they get the finals? But this year feels insane where like I comfortably picked the Mavs over the Jazz, not even knowing the extent. Like no one really knew what Luca was going to look like if he was going to be back at game, you know, right away. And I was comfortable picking the Mavs without Luca against Utah because they were just that dysfunctional. They were that unhappy. You could see it in their play. They couldn't defend a lick. And. I mean, Phoenix is so different. Like, Phoenix is this, this great team statistically all year, and for the Mavs to be in this situation, it does make you re- sort of reassess. And all of a sudden, that Dorian Finney-Smith contract, which I think a lot of people were really split on, is suddenly one of the best oh my contracts in the league. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a bargain, right? <laughs> Dorian, Dorian Finney-Smith is worth every penny of that four-year $55 million. I mean, he is – and, I mean, he showed glimpses of it during the regular season, too. I mean – you know, hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. And, you know, he's kind of taken on that role so far here in the postseason as well. He had some big ones against Utah, and, you know, now he's had some big ones against Phoenix too. And, you know, we'll see how it goes in these uh, last, hopefully, two games in the Mavs direction. But, you know, it could go three, could go two in Phoenix direction. We don't know. Uh, but that, you know, it's so fun to watch these playoff games. It's it's lived up to the hype. Uh, you know, no matter what happens – I think this has been a successful season for the Mavs, but I'm greedy, Josh. I want more. I don't want to just have the Twins yeah. versus Phoenix and, you know, call it a season. I <laughs> I want them to go for it. So uh, we will see how it goes. But uh, anything else you want to add here, Josh? And then after you do that, you know, tell the people where they can find all your stuff. Yeah. Um, I I kind of agree with you, but, yeah, I feel this – I feel the same way. Like, I felt like if the Mavs didn't win around this year, it was going to be all bad vibes. It was going to be an awful, awful feeling. And then Luca got hurt, and you were like, oh, here's this terrible caveat for them to lose if they lose. But, yeah, now I feel like you. It's 2-2. Something's working. They have the best player in the series. The conference finals appearance would be really nice. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter, at Josh Eberly do a bunch of stuff all over the place. I host my own rooms on Spotify every Wednesday and Sunday. 
I appreciate the time, dog. Josh, I appreciate you joining me, man. This was long overdue, and I'm, I'm glad you got to join me for this one. And, uh, guys, y'all can follow me at Dalton underscore Trig on Twitter. You can follow the pod account at Step Back Mavs. And, look, y'all go leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you do, you automatically enter yourself for a chance to win uh, Mavs tickets. We do Mavs ticket giveaways every now and then, and, you know, that's a way for you to always have your name in the hat there. We do a random draw every time. So if we look at those reviews and we see y'all's, you know, Twitter handle or whatever, you know, you'll automatically be put into that that draw. So be sure to do that. Guys, we appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your Sunday night. Hope you had a great Mother's Day weekend. And let's get back to it this week. Mavs play the Suns in game five on Tuesday night. We'll see y'all after that one. Y'all have a good one.